Welcome to the next episode in our Influencer Law Blog series. In today's episode, Niev illustrates how influencers negligently contribute to marketing scams and analyzes whether there should be a higher level of legal accountability. we've established that it's not a scam. Air fresheners and crocs are some of the abnormal products that influencers are paid to advertise to their audience. These consumers generally expect that there has been some level of product research by the influencer who they have a high level of trust in. However, this is not always the case. If a consumer purchases a product from a website and receives a confirmation of this, but the product is never delivered and refunds are unable, this is called internet fraud, a growing occurrence among influencer marketing. The influencer can become involved in this scheme through advertising the fake product, providing discount codes, or making the e-commerce website directly accessible through their social media. It creates the question, how is the influencer punishable? The controversy. Consequently, it has to be decided whether the influencer had an active role in deceiving consumers. In 2018, several influencers advertised luxury makeup brushes from a band called Kenza Cosmetics. This business was an apparent beauty company that sold makeup including luxury brushes. These brushes were put on a time-limited sale, whereby they were sold at $0. Influencers like Gabby Hanna and Tana Mongyo were paid by the company to promote these products on their platforms. In Mongyo's case, it was advertised across her Instagram stories with swipe-up links for easy access. She used phrases like, I am obsessed with so many of them and they are really high-quality brushes, and posted a swipe-up link. Furthermore, she showed her adding the brushes to her cart on the website where the brushes were displayed as $80 cut to $0 as a result of a time-limited sale with a $10 shipping rate. Mongo and Hannah's audiences began to purchase the product. Subsequently, controversy arose when the majority of consumers never received their product and those who did receive their makeup brushes were disappointed at the makeup brushes not being a luxury quality. Kenza Cosmetics persisted to lie about the products being in transit. Their audiences started to highlight that Kenza Cosmetics may have been a scam. This conclusion was reached by the consumers quickly. Research emerged exposing the company whereby alarming discoveries were made. For example, the company's motto was stolen from another makeup company's website, Pixel Cosmetics. To add fire to the flame, the terms of service were copied from a DVD company as well as a refund policy. This information was easily found through reading Kenza's website. The brushes themselves were advertised on the website with the following statement. This brush set includes all the essential brushes for your past or prolonged makeup session. Each brush allows a pleasant and precise application of various makeups and powders. This will be your secret weapon to create the perfect makeup. This information quickly illustrates that this company may not be legitimate. Moreover, the brushes were then found on websites like AliExpress where they could be purchased for $10 or less, revealing that these were not the luxury makeup brushes being advertised. Mongo is notorious for being infamous through past events like Tanacon and never directly responded to the controversy. Hannah released a new, now deleted, video on the controversy several weeks after the original advertisement. Now that we've established that it's not a scam, Hannah played a defensive role in her narrative of this situation. In the video she described that brushes were a $1 quality brush and told her audience to manage their expectation, despite the brushes being advertised as luxury brushes. This raised the issue of how much research did the influencer's conduct before deciding to advertise the product. Consequently, a crucial element of Hannah's response is that she highlights that she likes to do her research and due diligence and that is why she did not immediately respond to the accusation of marketing a scam. On the contrary, she later admitted that she did not research the company before accepting payment. Furthermore, 
Hannah stated that she had been in contact with the company for several weeks and informed them of her audience's concerns, including screenshots from her followers whereby Kenza replied that these people did not have orders with the company, as well as stating that the product delivery was delayed. Hannah continued with the narrative that it was not a scam despite consumers not receiving their products, akin to a contextual situation of internet fraud. Criminal liability for scams Did Hannah and Mongo get involved in a scam? A scam is a type of scheme that involves fraudulent activity. This can be described as a deceitful act for personal gain. This can be a federal criminal offense. Under 18 US Code paragraph 1341 during interstate cases, by committing fraud you can face a hefty fine and imprisonment of up to 20 years. This type of behavior qualifies as a mail and wire fraud as the product is mailed as a result of fraudulent activity. There are three different elements to be fulfilled to commit the act. Communication via mail or wire material deception and devised a scheme to defraud or had intent to do so. Firstly, was there wire and mail fraud? They did not commit mail fraud as it was Kenza who made the product. The influencer's direct relationship with the consumer does not involve the use of post. However, the internet is a form of wired communication, so this is technically fulfilled. A case has never been tested of this situation whereby a person is paid to promote a scam across their social media. However, under Durland v. United States, it states that statute must be read to include everything designed to defraud by representations as to the past or present or suggestions and promises as to the future. This broad scope can be used in the situation between the influencers and their audiences, as there was communication through the internet, thus there was wire fraud. Moreover, was there a material deception? In other words, did the influencers' actions make it more likely for the product to be bought? The relationship between an influencer and the audience is unique. The influencer's audience has a level of trust in them through the influencer's content. The influencer creates content for their audience and sometimes develops material to produce a strong connection with them. This is demonstrated when influencers use phrases like I did it for you guys or you know I have your best interest at heart. This forms a trusting relationship between the parties. In simpler terms, the audience trusts the influencer's opinion and that they will not take their trust for granted. The influencer, through advertising the products to their audience, did make it more likely for them to buy the product especially as they believed the products to be good as a result of the influencer's content. Did they devise a scheme of defraud or had the intent to do so? Though it is unknown who the person behind the cosmetic company is, it is unlikely to be the influencers who devised the scheme. There are three levels of criminal intent in the US. Malice aforethought, specific intent and general intent. These relate to how the mental attitude of the influencer connects with the conduct carried out. Malice aforethought relates only to murder. Specific intent refers to the influencer having a high level of awareness of what has been done. For example, intends to bring about a harmful result, knowingly did something illegal. And general intent is seen as the intentional performance of a criminal act. The mental attitude aspect. In other words, the motive. In the US can be analyzed under the model penal code's intent distinction. First, acting purposely. The defendant had an underlying conscious object to act. Second, acting knowingly. The defendant is practically certain that the conduct will cause a particular result. Third, acting recklessly. The defendant consciously disregarded a substantial and unjustified risk. Fourth, acting negligently. The defendant was not aware of the risk but should have been aware of the risk. Therefore, they need criminal intent and motive. Malice aforethought is not applicable in this case and neither is specific intent. It is highly unlikely that Hannah wanted her audience to be duped. This is illustrated through Hannah's level of research. She admitted not researching the company. Therefore, it must be examined whether there was general intent. She should have been aware of the risk of falsely advertising and marketing a scam. 
If Hannah did research, she could easily determine that this was a scam. Therefore, Hannah at least acted recklessly and negligently. If so, she had general intent through committing a criminal act with intention. Thus, the requirements under paragraph 1341 are fulfilled and technically the influences are punishable under this article. However, influences in this type of situation have yet to be punished under the article and the precedence has not been created. It is still up for the courts to decide whether the influences are criminally punishable. Though Hannah's actions fulfill the article, she is not the creator of the scam which is cancer. The courts must decide if people in Hannah's position are punishable for their marketing of the product and contribution to the scam or whether they themselves were defrauded. From Derlin's reasoning, it must be decided whether the influencer was appropriating the payment despite the entrapment of the faithful consumers by the courts. Federal Trade Commission Act Subsequently, Hannah is still punishable under paragraph 52 of Federal Trade Commission FTC Act for dissemination of false advertisement. The FTC objective is to protect consumers from unfair conduct in the market. Paragraph 52 of Federal Trade Commission Act Unlawfulness, it shall be unlawful for any person, partnership or corporation to disseminate or cause to be disseminated any false advertisement. 1. By United States mails or in or having an effect upon commerce by any means for the purpose of inducing or which is likely to induce directly or indirectly the purchase of food, drugs, devices, services or cosmetics or 2nd by any means for the purpose of inducing or which is likely to induce directly or indirectly the purchase in or having an effect upon commerce of food, drugs, devices, services or cosmetics b unfair or deceptive act or practice the dissemination or the causing to be disseminated of any false advertising within the provision of subsection A of this section shall be an unfair or deceptive act or practice in or affecting commerce within the meaning of section 45 of this title. Similarly to the material deception qualification in the criminal sphere, the FTC Act asks for the influencer to have induced the purchase of cosmetics. As previously explained, Hannah has enabled a material deception. Under paragraph 54 of the FTC Act, Hannah faces penalties and imprisonment still. The FTC has taken numerous cases to influencers and has created guides on proper disclosure for influencer marketing. In 2020, the FTC took the decision to review the guides as they had begun to outdate themselves. The future guides must be analyzed to determine whether they are fit for purpose and deal with influencers' relationship with internet fraud. Other instances Unsurprisingly, it is not just the influencers committing these frauds, nor is it just American influencers. Influencers themselves have tricked other influencers into scams to expose the level of scrutiny that influencers have into the products they are advertising. Jack Dean from the YouTube channel JackMate created a video titled I tricked Love Island stars into promoting my terrible fake brand. Dean created a luxury face cream that was in fact Johnson's and Johnson's baby lotion. He established a fake website and social media accounts. The website contained questionable descriptions about the product, the most powerful bomb since Hiroshima. These bold statements were included to deter influencers from advertising the product on the presumption that they research into it. Additionally, he included false quotes from the people he was asking to advertise the product, as well as the following quote by himself, This is complete bullshit, entirely made up product just to see if Love Islanders will promote it. Several influencers did promote it. Influencer pranksters Josh Peters and Archie Manners created the video I tricked influencers into promoting gravel. The influencers who were given the gravel promoted the product on their social media believing it was moon rocks. These situations exposed how many influencers do not research products that they promote. As a result of this, they end up in promoting scams. Conclusion To conclude, 
are henna and mongo liable? Under the FTC Act, they did have false advertisements and should be punishable. Whether they are punishable under the criminal code must be decided by the court's willingness to create this new precedence. In the years to come, this may be developed to uncover the culpability of influencers in these situations as videos posted by Dean and Peters illustrate the low levels of responsibility the influencer has. This needs to be fixed through giving the influencers high levels of accountability. The balancing of the interest must take place. Influencers cannot make a quick buck while defrauding millions. Consumers deserve to be protected and fraudulent activity by influencers should be criminally punishable. As the saying goes, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. A mindset influencers should have in the future when deciding to market products. If you liked the episode and want to hear more about the fascinating world of influencer law, go visit our website computationalsocialmedia.tech where you can find all our blog posts and follow us on Instagram at lawinfluencer.